Welcome to episode 202 of This Week in Linux, recorded live on June 18th, 2022. I'm your host, Michael Tunnell, and this is a Tux Digital podcast. If you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. On this week's episode, we've got some distro news, app news, and even some desktop environment news from KDE. All this and so much more coming up right now on your weekly source for Linux good news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. Before we get started with the show, did you hear the good news? The Destination Linux Network is now the Tux Digital Network, and we have all of our great shows all under one roof at tuxdigital.com. There's a lot of great stuff. There's this show, obviously, then there's the Destination Linux podcast, Hardware Addicts, Linux Out Loud, so much great stuff at tuxdigital.com. And to make it really easy, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash subscribe and get links to everything for every show. So if you want to subscribe on YouTube or on the RSS podcast for the MP3, you can do all of that at tuxdigital.com slash subscribe. So we got it all under one roof and made it much easier to find everything and discover new content from the network. And there's a lot of great stuff there, so be sure to check it out. As a KDE Plasma fan, it's only natural that we start this week's episode off with the latest release of KDE Plasma 5.25. So KDE Plasma 5.25 continues improving upon their efforts of creating reliable Wayland support. They also have improvements around gestures handling, various theme improvements, color improvements, continued enhancements for better customizations, and much so more. So KDE have improved the look and flow of the overview in Plasma 5.25. And for those who aren't familiar with the overview, it's essentially a way to interact with all of your open windows and virtual desktops in one interface. You can search for apps, documents, and browser tabs with KRunner, or you can uh, add, remove, and rename virtual desktops all directly in the overview. It is just fantastic. Uh, KDE Plasma 5.25 sees a lot of laptop navigation enhancements as well, using gestures with touchpads and touchscreens that put Plasma at your fingertips. You can switch desktops with a three-finger swipe. You can easily activate the overview with the suite with a, a pinch-to-zoom kind of thing. They also made it possible to activate the present windows and the desktop grid effects, as well as much more. And speaking of touch, you can now activate the touch mode. So when you do go into touch mode, it will change the task manager in the system tray to make it bigger, to make it easier to use your fingers on a touch screen, which is just really nice. So when you activate the touch mode, but depending on your configuration of your hardware, it can do it automatically, or you can manually do it if you want to. And it allows you to have a lot of different uh, options to be able to, you know, just more easily use the interface in that sort of style because everything's bigger and more spread out. So it makes it easier to use your fingers instead of a mouse, which is just pretty cool. And there's also another really cool change happening to the global theme settings page. It now lets you pick and choose which parts to apply of a global theme. So if you want to choose certain specific things of a global theme and not the whole thing, you can now do that, which is pretty awesome. And there is also a lot more to talk about, but there's just really too much to cover it all on the show. So let's end with the changes they made to the colors and accents of Plasma 5.25. You can now tint all colors of any color scheme using the accent color and choose how much tint you would like to apply and mixed in with your normal color scheme which is really nice. 
And you can also now make the header area and or title bar use the accent color. Kind of similar to how the previous was able to do with like older versions of Plasma and older themes. But now you can do it directly in the accent color system so it automatically updates, which is just really nice. But the coolest change to the colors for me is the ability to sync the uh, accent color with your wallpaper. So like the dominant color of your background image will be applied to the, your theme as the accent color. Plus when using the wallpaper slideshow feature of Plasma, the colors will auto update when the uh, wallpaper changes. So that's just really awesome. And if you'd like to learn more about the latest release of KDE Plasma 5.25, link in the show notes. This week, Thunderbird announced that K9Mail is officially joining the Thunderbird family and that the maintainer of K9Mail, Christian Ketterer, has also joined Thunderbird as a full-time staff member. The plan is to convert K9Mail into Thunderbird for Android, which of course will have Thunderbird branding and that sort of stuff. They gave us a brief breakdown of the features roadmap for this, and I think these are pretty interesting, and one is really cool when they, when they release that. But so first of all, let's talk about the first feature they mentioned is that accounts set up using Thunderbird account auto uh, configuration will be available in K9Mail. Also improved folder management, support for message filters. And the thing that's most interested to me is the sync between desktop and mobile Thunderbird. That's awesome because it's kind of annoying to set it up on different uh, computers and different devices and being able to have them sync together. That would be fantastic. Because I do actually have the different accounts on my K9 and different accounts on my desktop because, you know, it's just a lot to do. So I didn't do all of the accounts. And I could, if I could do it all and have it synced, that would be awesome. And I think there's a lot of great potential here. And I'm very interested to see how this app evolves in the future. As K9Mail, I'm already a user of that application. And I think this is going to be great for Thunderbird and K9Mail because... They are combining Christian's expertise and experience with mobile platforms with the legacy and experience for desktop mail that Thunderbird has. And I look forward to whatever future comes with Thunderbird because there's a lot of potential there. Although I would like to make a request to Thunderbird, the same one I make every time I cover the application on the show. Can we get quick replies soon in Thunderbird? Thanks. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out the link in the show notes and join me, Ryan, and Jill tomorrow for the live recording of Destination Linux 283, where we talk more in depth for this news of K9 joining Thunderbird. Speaking of Mozilla, there's a new add-on for Firefox that I thought was really cool and wanted to talk about on the show, and that is Firefox Translations add-on from Mozilla Firefox. Now, this allows you to translate websites in your browser without using the cloud, and that's the biggest selling point here. So Firefox Translation provides automated translation of web content Unlike cloud-based alternatives, translation is done locally on the client side so that the text being translated does not leave your machine, which is really, really cool. Now, it has available many different languages right now, and they're also working on some more. And right now, it supports uh, Spanish, Estonian, English, German, Czech, uh, Bulgarian, Portuguese, Italian, and they're also developing Norwegian, Icelandic, and many more. So this is really cool because the, the Firefox translation was developed with the Bergamot Project Consortium. I'm not sure if I said that right. Probably not. Which is a coordinate, coordinated effort by the University of Edinburgh with uh, par partners of Charles University in Prague, the University of Sheffield, University of Tartu, and Mozilla. And this project also received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program. So it's a massive uh basically it's a global effort of being able to make 
these translation avail- available on your local machine instead of in the cloud. And that is just really, really cool to see. And if you'd like to learn more about this or try out the add-on for yourself, link in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, networking products, and more that put your infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. And DigitalOcean also offers predictable pricing, robust product docs, services that developers love, and so much more, including the marketplace where you can quickly load up a droplet with uh, everything set up for you by default, and you can make your configurations from there. It's just fantastic options at DigitalOcean. And DigitalOcean gives you support at every stage of growth. Whether you're a team of one person or teams of a thousand people, with simple, powerful cloud computing, you can get growing at DigitalOcean. And as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. Because actually, it's better than free. Because when you go to do.co slash tux2022, they're going to give you a $100 free credit. Again, that's do.co slash tux 2022 and you're going to get all of this great stuff and a $100 free credit. So go right now to do.co/tux2022 to get started on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. And I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. We've covered Makulu Linux on Twill in the past, and this latest release of Makulu Linux is really interesting, so of course I had to cover it again, and that is Makulu Linux Shift. So Makula Linux Shift is an Ubuntu-based distro that uses the GNOME framework, but what sets it apart is their new transforming feature. They say that Makula Linux Shift is a transformable Linux operating system that can transform between 16 different desktop layouts with a single click, and it takes just seconds for the process to complete. It can transform the whole desktop, including panels, docs, menus, wallpapers, themes, icon sets, extensions, cursor effects, color schemes, and even scripts that handle third-party applications and menu entries. Now, this is very interesting because there are other distros that make it possible to switch layouts and that sort of thing, but Makulu Linux says that it does much more than that. They say, we don't just switch to a different layout. We completely remove the old one, the wallpapers, the themes, icon sets, cursors, extensions, effects, panels, docs, and all of that is completely uninstalled, and then the new sets of wallpaper stains, icon sets, extensions, etc., are all then installed. And once the removal and install process is completed, the desktop style transforms to look like another desktop, including placements of menus, docs, panels, icons, and all of that setting up automatically. The whole process can take between 10 to 30 seconds, depending on the hardware used. And all of this is done offline. No scripts or packages are downloaded from the, from the internet. Now, this sounds really, really cool, and I will certainly be giving this a shot to see it in action. And if you'd like to learn more about this or see it in action for yourself, check the links in the show notes. This week, we've got a new distro to talk about, and that is Spiral Linux. So Spiral Linux is based on Debian 11 Bullseye. It's powered by the Linux 5.16 kernel, and it offers many different spins for Cinnamon, XFCE, GNOME, KDE Plasma, Mate, Budgie, and LXQt. Now, Spiral Linux includes Flatpak support built in as well as a GUI front end for managing the Flatpaks. 
And this distribution also uses ButterFS file system, which includes a subpartition with Z ZSTD or Z standard transparent compression and built-in support for automatic snapper snapshots and even ZRAM swap support. Now, this is a very different take on the Debian-based distro. And while learning about this distro, I thought to myself, I'm getting some Gecko Linux vibes from this for some reason. And then almost immediately after thinking that, I found out who develops this, and it is the same developer from Gecko Linux. So it makes sense why I had that feeling. So why did they decide to make a distro based on Debian in addition to the Gecko Linux-based uh, OpenSUSE? So this is uh, interesting because they say that Gecko Linux will continue to be maintained. However, SUSE and OpenSUSE have announced some major changes that will eventually affect the Leap branch for years from a few years from now. So Spiral Linux would fill the void in the event that OpenSUSE Leap ceases to exist or turns into something completely different and that doesn't fit what they want to use. The aim for Spiral Linux of making a Debian-based distro that sticks to Debian repos while also polishing the user experience is an interesting approach, though I wonder what kind of upgrade timeframe we are looking at for this new distro because of how much faster OpenSUSE Leap is to Debian and how drastically faster OpenSUSE Tumbleweed is to Debian. So the Gecko Linux rolling, the Gecko Linux static are going to be much different experiences for those who would be using Spiral Linux based on Debian. So I'm very curious what, what happens there. I'd like to see some more Fedora-based distros personally. Not that there's anything wrong with Debian-based distros or anything. I'm not saying that. i just like to see more variety of distro, uh, distro bases because a lot of distros are based on either Ubuntu or Debian, and I'd like to see that mixed up a lot more. So I would like to see some more Fedora-based distros. And it'd be really cool if the developer Gecko Linux slash Spiral Linux considered something like that for Fedora. If you'd like to learn more about this latest distro with Spiral Linux, you can find links in the show notes. Ike Doherty has announced that he will be returning to full-time Linux distro development with Serpent OS beginning in July. For those who aren't familiar with Ike, the history around this news is rather interesting and in that Ike is the founder of the Solus Linux distribution, but then seemingly like a ninja, he kind of vanished into the night for a while. And then he also came back and wrote an open letter to the Solus community on Pharonix about his uh, vanishing. And later, Ike could be found working for Intel on their clear Linux distribution and even had a brief period starting a game slash software development company called Lispy Snake. And roughly around the same time of Lispy Snake, Ike also started Serpent OS Linux distribution. So earlier in 2022, Ike began working full-time for a company called CodeThink, and he's, but he's now said that he wants to devote full-time efforts into Serpent OS. And Serpent OS has been focused on being a modern Linux distribution that is well-engineered and highly optimized for modern hardware. Ike has, has been very ambitious with his technical goals for this distribution, but has been held back for you know, time and resources and that sort of stuff. So becoming a full-time developer for Serpent OS should see a much faster pace of development for this interesting distribution. It's also worth noting that the former Solus Core team member Joshua Strobel, who also is the same person leading development of uh, Budgie Desktop, has decided to shift some attention to Serpent OS as well. And this is interesting because Ike and Joshua made a pretty good team on Solus, so I suspect that will happen again with Serpent OS. Ike wrote in a new blog post on Monday, I'm returning to full-time work on Serpent OS despite having enjoyment at my current position. The reality is that my passion and focus is Serpent OS. I'm now in a transition process and will ramp up my efforts with Serpent OS and I'll begin accelerating works and enabling community contributions so we can get the derailed alpha train back on tracks. 
Now, this is really cool and really interesting because, I mean, Serpent OS has a lot of cool concepts and what they're doing. And I'm looking forward to see what Ike comes up with this time because he's made a lot of cool stuff in the past. And I'm sure this time won't be much different. I wonder how much Python will be used in this project of Serpent OS as well. If you'd like to learn more, link in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Bitwarden is an awesome password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, it provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords. Also, now you can automatically generate usernames and email addresses with Bitwarden, which is awesome. And you can even automatically fill in those passwords and all the other stuff in login forms so you don't have to do any of this stuff. You can access your data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, your mobile application, desktop application, or even on the command line. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. And go to bitwarden.com tux to get started right now. And did I mention you can get started for free? Well, you can, but I think you'll want to check out their premium account because for less than a dollar per month, you get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, party customer service, and so much more. All of this for less than a dollar per month. So make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring This Week in Linux. Up next on the show is a really cool-looking music player that I want to tell you about. It's called, I think... Amberol. I'm not totally sure how you're supposed to say that, but it's interesting because it is a music player that they, and I quote, says, plays music and nothing else. So to quote the uh, developers, it says, Amberol is a music player with no delusions of grandeur. If you just want to play music available on your local system, then Amberol is the music player that you're looking for. So it has a really interesting approach because it looks very nice. It has an adaptive UI, which is really cool because it looks nice, uh, like very, very nice. But also it like recolors its UI based on the album art of the song that you're playing, which is pretty slick. It also has drag and drop support for queuing songs, a shuffle and repeat, uh, impress integration for being integrating with your desktop, all sorts of great stuff. And this latest version also improves and adds more features and also lowers the amount of resources needed to use the player. So you can now search for songs in the playlist and just by just start typing and the Amberall will display the matching songs. And also the album art is shared across songs from the same album, saving memory and so much more. And it's a really nice looking interface. And I think that it is very slick. Now, personally, I do like to have some like streaming services like Tidal. Uh, it's just that's kind of my preference. But I would love to see a combination of local music plus Tidal or plus Spotify because I've only ever seen like where you can only have one or the other. And it'd be really cool to have the combination of the two. And this is a really nice looking app, though. Like the the UI is impressive. And I just wanted to show it off because if you are looking for a local only music player, this looks like a pretty solid option. So if you'd like to learn more, link in the show notes. The GNOME project is set to receive $10,000 of funding from Microsoft as part of the Microsoft FOSS Fund. Now, this is interesting because this is the first time I've ever heard of the FOSS Fund, and it's been happening since early 2020, roughly. And it is interesting because they're giving money to different projects for FOSS software. And each month, Microsoft lets employees nominate open source projects used by the company. 
And to be eligible, projects need to have an OSI-approved license and a way to process the funds. The nomination process is open to all Microsoft employees and interns and also a curation group called the Open Source Champs. And this funding has anywhere between 5 to 20 nominated projects every month or so. So these the projects that win this funding receive $10,000 typically offered as $1,000 a month for 10 months. Now, I didn't know that this fund existed until now, and I'm glad that Microsoft is putting money into various projects like this. That's fantastic. But I mean, it's still Microsoft, and for a FOSS project, $10,000 is a lot of money, but for Microsoft, it's kind of nothing. This is only 0.0000062% of their $161 billion annual revenue. And I know you could say that this happens every month, so the fund is really 120000 not 10000 that they're spending on this funding. And that's great, but that's also 0.000074%. Now, if they donated 100000 to each project, that would be a significant amount for those projects because that means that a project could hire people to work full-time on developing the software. $10,000 isn't going to help them do that, especially when it's over... 1000 a month, that's not going to help them do pretty much anything in terms of like grand uh, contributions. Now, it's still going to be beneficial. There's still a value for that, of course. But I mean, over the course of what they could do with 100000 versus 1000 a month for 10 months, you know, it's much more limited. Plus, like if they did 100000 for 12 projects, that'd be $1.2 million over a year. And that's also insignificant to Microsoft, as that would only be 0.00074% of their annual revenue. And maybe I'm being a bit too hard on them because it's certainly better than other companies. Because sadly, there's a lot of companies that are making a ton of money with open source software and do absolutely nothing to help out with that software. So I will give Microsoft credit there. It is great that they're at least doing something. That's fantastic. But I feel like they can get they get way more benefit from the open source software than this implies that they're giving back. And if they were to raise funds to 100,000 per project, then they would be able to drastically help these projects with very little hit to their wallet. They'd be able to make it where they could hire people full time and that would be fantastic for these projects. Uh, and there's also a great comment in the live chat right now saying that they probably spend more money on snacks in their break rooms than they do with this current fund. And yeah, I'm going to have to go with probably. So it's great Microsoft is doing any kind of funding, but they could easily make the fund be a game changer for these projects. And I hope that they consider that in the future. If you'd like to learn more about the Microsoft FOSS fund, I'll have links in the show notes. Steam is having an event right now that is really interesting. It's going to continue until June 20th. And this event is called Steam Next Fest. This event lets you check out a bunch of demos of games that are coming out in the future so you can play them for the, for a little bit and then add them to your wish list if you like them. I really think this is a clever idea because essentially it's a gigantic commercial for a ton of games for like all over for an entire week that lets you try out these games that you'll be able to, you know, add to your wait list. So instead of just waiting for the games, you get to try a bunch all at once and that's just really cool. Rather than having to Put it to your wait list and then hope that you remember when it comes out. This way, you get to at least try the games before they release, and that is really cool. And I tried out a game yesterday that is somewhat reminiscent of 
Rocket League called Turbo Golf Racing, which combines some elements of Rocket League with a racing game and also a golfing game all at the same time. It's a pretty fun game. It's also kind of weird to get used to, but if you are already played Rocket League, it's kind of similar in certain ways, so you can move some of the skills over to the Turbo Golf Racing if you want to do that. And I already added it to my wish list, and I think I might play a little bit more during the Next Fest because I still can, so I might do that. And if you'd like to learn more about the Steam Next Fest or check out some of the demos yourself, link's in the show notes. There is a new game that I wanted to let you know about. The Ninja Turtles are back in a revamped version of a classic beat-em-up game with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Now, this game has a lot of nostalgia for me, and I'm looking forward to playing this game soon. In fact, I'll be live-streaming this game soon with my friends and co-host from Destination Linux, so I'm looking forward to that very much. And for those who aren't sure why I'm excited for this game and would like to know more, then I recommend checking out the next episode of Destination Linux recording live tomorrow at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern because we're going to be talking about this game and also letting you know when the stream is going to be happening for this uh, the game we're going to be doing together because it has single player and online co-op and I am super excited about this. So if I'm going to save my full reaction, though, for the show of Destination Linux tomorrow live 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux, and if you like what I do here on the show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the channel and the show, we have multiple ways to do that via Patreon, sponsors, and others. You can learn more by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. And if you do become a patron, you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between topics and just hang out every week after the show in the patron-only post-show. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt by going to tuxdigital.com store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff. We have hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, even coasters, and much more at tuxdigital.com store. And if you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts as I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the Tux Digital Network, and those shows are fantastic. Completely unbiased opinion. They are fantastic shows. Check them out, tuxdigital.com. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each and every week by going to tuxdigital.com live. And thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with Tux Digital, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux. Good news.